Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. This morning we continue the church liturgical year by jumping from the birth of Jesus to the beginning of his public ministry 30 years later. In the United Church of Christ, we have two things that we do which we consider to be so important and holy that we call them sacraments, baptism and communion. Almost all religions have sacraments which teach about God in some way. We believe that Christian sacraments, sacraments were begun by Jesus himself. Baptism and communion are a means of God's very grace and forgiveness and compassion and love given as a means for forgiveness and new life and wholeness. Baptism is simply a visible symbol of the reality of God in our lives. Even before we're aware of it, even before we choose it, and sometimes in spite of our resistance to the reality of God's presence. We live in an increasingly secular society. The grandeur and power of many Christian beliefs and practices are becoming devalued and trivialized and sometimes rewritten without any mention of their source. Some of the best self-help books are strikingly similar to the wisdom and practices which Christians have known about for millennia. Of course, they're bestsellers. Wisdom is wisdom. Europe has been living with this secularization trend a lot longer than we have in the United States. I ran across a news article that illustrates something important about God's grace. In 20, 
2009, according to the Times of London, John Hunt requested that his 1953 baptism at the St. Jude and St. Aidan Parish in South London be revoked because he was only five months old at the time of his baptism. He no longer believes in God, so he reasoned that this sacrament was not valid. And so he paid 60 pounds, about $50, to have his certificate of de-baptism recorded in the legal section of the London Gazette. And of course, in these crazy mixed-up times, there is an online version for a simple payment of $4.50 to the National Secular Society in the UK. You can be certified as debaptized. Now, the point of this for us this morning is that those who are participating in this kind of stuff don't even understand how God's grace works. In fact, the reason that we baptize little babies is not to sucker them into a fellowship before they can choose for themselves. We do have that second part of baptism, which we call confirmation, where we ask our young people to decide to take up their own baptism as their life and their lifestyle. The reason that we baptize little babies is that we believe that God's grace God's love, God's compassion and forgiveness are working in human history long before we're born. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of our recognition of this fact. God's grace simply exists in all its grandeur and power and doesn't depend on our believing or not believing in God. It's simply the undergirding support of all human life. And depending upon human assent to be effective and efficacious is just nonsense. And pride and human arrogance. God loves us whether we recognize it or not. That's the truth. But there's something even more important that we need to learn about God's presence in human history. It may seem like a contradiction to what I've just said, but as powerful as God's grace is, God calls us to be an important part of the work of the coming kingdom of God. It is our response to grace. We are called to follow, to learn, to 
obey, to be faithful and committed, and be faithful to all the things that Jesus taught us. That's not an easy lesson to hear in our culture, which has fallen in love with the idea that we don't need to take orders from anyone. We emphasize freedom in our culture to the exclusion of the other virtues of life. As important as freedom is, don't get me wrong, folks, freedom in this country is much to be grateful for. But it's only one of the values that we live by as Christians. We're not free to be a jerk like we see in everyday news descriptions of people's behaviors all over the place. We're called to be people of peace, people of kindness, people of forgiveness and grace. We emphasize freedom to the exclusion of the other virtues of life at our own peril. Milton Friedman, an American economist and Nobel laureate, taught us that the capitalist way of organizing our, our lives together makes freedom our ultimate goal in judging social arrangement. Friedman admits that people in societies like ours have difficulty holding themselves together, working on problems, and giving citizens a sense of direction and purpose. With this emphasis, this overemphasis on personal freedom in our social life, the main, Bible's main claim seems strange to us obedience and faithfulness is the secret of the Christian spirituality. Jesus taught, taught us this by example. Matthew's description of the baptism of Jesus is, is pretty bare bones. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John's shocked. He protests that Jesus should be baptizing him. And Jesus' answer is simple and direct. Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. A simple right, a definition of righteousness is to do things the right way. But how do we know what is the right way to do things? One way of imagining this interchange is that Jesus is appealing to the Hebrew Bible's strong emphasis on obedience to God who offers a covenant, an everlasting covenant of faithfulness on his part and asks of us the same everlasting covenant. Faithfulness. God said go from Ur to Abraham 
And Abraham went. God sent Moses to confront the Pharaoh to free the Hebrew slaves in Egypt. And Moses went. King David taught that Israel's king was different than the kings of the rest of the world by recognizing that he needed to be obedient. Even the king needs to be obedient to the law of Moses. The prophets were asked to proclaim often unpopular and dangerous messages, and and yet they preached. And Jesus today began his God-ordained ministry by humbling himself and recognizing through baptism that God the Father, Abba, is the source of everything, is the sustainer of everything, and is all of our God. How do we know what it means to do things in the right way? Jesus taught by example. Jesus turned to the scriptures to know what to do, often quoting from it how to behave, how to live and think and feel. I know that's not an easy thing to do. The scriptures are varied and at times cryptic and confusing. And so as his ministry developed, we learn more about this approach to living life. And in fact, we see that immediately after this amazing experience with the heavens opening to him, when he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on him, he was driven out into the wilderness. Immediately after a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. He went out into the desert to ask himself, What just happened? Don't worry, we, we don't have to find our way on our own. Jesus was led to the wilderness by the Spirit. And we are also led by the Spirit if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. That's the good news. The less than good news is that we've had, after, right after, usually right after we've had a dramatic spiritual experience, often we are immediately tested and even tempted. We're tempted in many ways. Unfortunately, I can't help you much with exactly how you will be tested or tempted because Whatever you understand of what the scripture calls the devil is not a silly guy in a red suit with horns and a trident spear, easily identified. In fact, this, whatever this is, this tempter is cunning and tricky and knows us better than we know ourselves. This tempter knows our weak spots, knows our striving to be in control of everything. 
And so, in all humility, I offer a few of the ways that I see us being tempted and tested in our culture. First of all, we're tempted to think that we're here on earth alone. As isolated individuals. And as such, we're cut off from the power of living as brothers and sisters rather than we live as strangers. We're tempted to think that we're smarter than other people and to look down on what other people think even before we understand fully where they're coming from and how they think. We're quick to judge people if they come even close to a way of thinking that is antithetical to to our own, and quick to label them, to reduce them down to a slogan, to see them as outsiders, as wrong, or even as enemies. Sounds a whole lot like our culture, doesn't it? The scriptures call us to to a different way of treating people, a different way of listening to each other. Jesus listened to those whom society had pronounced to be sinners, outsiders, wrong. Jesus ate with them and talked and laughed with them. Jesus treated people who had done things wrong with respect. Jesus saw his main purpose in living as helping people to change the things that were cutting them off from God, from a vital relationship with God. Yes, he asked for repentance, absolutely. Turning around, changing our lives when necessary. And he proclaimed that this change is urgent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. So the most important thing that we're shown is how focusing on the nearness of God in every moment, staying focused on the immediate presence of God right here, right now, between you and me, between us, between us and the world. What is important is the choices we're making right here and right now. Jesus showed us that it is possible for human beings to stay so focused on the presence of God through the Holy Spirit that we become a reflection of God here on earth. Can you imagine yourself that way? Take a minute. You are a reflection of God's love here on earth. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. 
Sometimes we're focused on our favorite friends, the ones we feel at ease with because they agree with us. But God calls us to a larger calling, a way of being one in Christ that includes being curious about about people who don't agree with us. Are we focused on our call to love each other as church members in the same way that God through Jesus Christ has loved us? It is a high calling. We are one in Christ. This is a calling that's really impossible to carry out on our own. But that's all right because we're not alone. Treat each one you meet this week as a brother and sister rather than a stranger, and it will change who you are. You begin to think of yourself differently. You're not an isolated individual. You're part of a community of faith. You are a Christian, a member of a great community of people dedicated to working in concert with each other as a part of the coming kingdom of God. Bless you in that task as you walk among those whom you know and love, as you meet those you don't know. Remember, you are God's love here on earth. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844 971 1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.